This week's episode brought to you by Horizon Books, serving Seattle's book-loving community for over 48 years with one of the best-used book collections in the city. Mention UpZones at the register for a 10% discount on anything in the store. Our sponsor is Horizon Books, and this is UpZones. You have two electors, no baby. Things are changing. Things are changing. You can't say it, but you know it's true. Two electors, no Things are changing. Two electors, no. Two electors, no. Happy Monday, y'all. Hope you're having a reasonably good weekend after one of the most interesting and Certainly from my perspective, sad weeks in political recent history, certainly recent. I am old enough to remember the Bush administration, and it's a lot of the same stuff. But I digress. This is not a negative podcast. This is a up zone. And I hope everyone's in a recovery space. We got, you know, lots of good stuff going on locally, and November can't come soon enough. And, you know, on that front, we do try our best here to focus on some of the very tactical work that can be done at the local level to bring about positive outcomes, you know, the, the, the quote unquote unsexy stuff. And I think we had a good week. This is something that maybe got overshadowed a little bit for Seattleites and King Countyites in the craziness of this past week. But the Seattle City Council did something right this week. Um, you know, the council got together and amended their disposition policies, which were adopted in the 70s and then the 90s, amended and amended in the 2000s again. And um, I think this time around, they set priorities for the use of surplus land in the city of Seattle. And I think that's something that a lot of folks just weren't aware of. And they did it to, you know, create a priority for the affordable housing and the housing crisis that we're having. Um, the policies set up a, a more aggressive review time so that we can't just sit on our hands anymore. Um, they identified some criteria for the Office of Housing to actually go out and find surplus parcels. They defined mixed-use development, something that hadn't been done for a long time. They allowed for land leasing, uh, which was, you know, they explicitly identified that and that hadn't been done before. Um I just think this is one of those things, these goofy little things that a city does that a lot of folks don't see as the big, sexy home run stuff that actually makes a difference, though. And so, you know, I came down here in my little three minutes of platform a few weeks, months back now on the head tax. I think the city council did let us down as a city. I won't go back on that. But I think they did the right thing this week. And what this means is that we have an opportunity now in Seattle to actually bring just a little bit more affordable housing and housing generally, affordable market rate, you name it, into the market. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, I think that deserves an absolute, uh, you know, thumbs up for the city council. So that's to the local piece, to the campaigns and, you know, big picture piece. Uh, my guest this week Cleo Barnett, one of the co-founders of Amplifier. Amplifier is a really interesting group. They, uh, You've seen their work. They actually did the We the People campaign that was very present in the earlier days of the resistance. The, the lady in the hijab and the young uh, Latina lady with the big rose in her hair, the uh, shepherd fairy 
uh, art, women are perfect, that kind of stuff. That was that was their campaign. And uh, little did I know that that artwork is actually used to fund social um, justice organizing around the country, teaching students, uh, teaching teachers on how to introduce that kind of information and how to into the classroom. So Cleo and I had a really great chat. She's here in Seattle. I think that's a pretty cool stat that are data that I didn't know and until we got introduced and I'm sure a lot of you didn't either. I want to urge you out front, there's one day or maybe about 36 hours as of the time of me posting this. I want to ask all listeners to go and, and hop on to amplifier.org or um, you can also check out We The Future, which is their new campaign. And there's about yeah, about 24, 36 hours left, depending when you're listening, to contribute, to get a bunch of art for doing so, uh, because the, the movement does support artists who are in turn supporting these, uh, these great uh, social organizers, uh, community organizers, teachers, etc. So again, uh, this is Cleo Barnett, and, and before we even hop in, I, I am going to urge everyone to participate and contribute if you can. Amplifier.org. Brooklyn, right? Yeah. Yeah, I lived in Brooklyn for a while. Too. Cool. Yeah. yeah, and then I got scouted to help bring Amplifier to life. Yeah. Um, and then. What? What's? What? Tell me about New Zealand. I, I mean, just. Uh, I don't have that uh, frame, for for. I mean, what's it like to grow? So you would have been a very little kid, right? When you yeah, first. Yeah, but then I moved back when I was seventeen. Um, okay. For. And I lived there for about seven years, and I just turned thirty, so like a couple of days ago. Congratulations. Thank you. I just got married. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Big news for yeah, all of us. Yeah, <laughs> cool. What is it like? It's a socialist country. Yeah. Um, uh, it has... Pregnant prime minister? or, or Yeah, she had... Yeah, or just she, had a baby now. She just had a baby. That's so rad. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, and it's really interesting with her because she's like looking at like 30 years out, not just... There are three-year terms in New Zealand, mm. so it's like some prime ministers are just so like thinking so short term. And Can you like, be reelected there? Yeah, okay. you can be reelected a number of times. Oh, okay. Yeah, so she's great. But um, just like a lot more focused on nature, I guess, mm -hmm. and a lot more moderate. Like, I feel like the biggest difference that I noticed moving from Seattle to there was like while people were still, you know, like smoking weed and drinking and doing drugs, it was just a lot more moderate and people were a lot more just moderate in general and like a lot more connected to nature and just like you know like good food like good company mm -hmm. good wine mm -hmm. like go out into nature go to the beach it's just i i it was i'm it was the best thing i could have ever done less conspicuous consumption there yeah, yeah. just more moderate yeah. um and and that's not across the board that could have definitely just been my friend group that i got sure. into there sure. but see the dog coming to say yeah, hi you're so sweet yeah. Kanye. everyone knows my listeners know Kanye because <gasps> He gets into the garbage and. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> well, I love you. cuddles with Kanye. Yeah, he's he's a good dude. Aww. Um. So then yeah, so back? that really like shaped. I mean, that's when I got into, I like deepened my practice with politics and art when I was in New Zealand, mm -hmm. and that's really like shaped how I operate. Well, tell me about Amplifier. What's going on there? Lots of stuff. Okay. Do you want to do it? Are we going? Oh, we're going. We're oh. recording. We're going. Oh, cool. I didn't yeah. know that. Okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, 
Amplifier is a nonprofit organization, and we build nonpartisan campaigns to amplify the voices of social movements. Um, so we operate under the formula of building campaigns through human-centered design. And by campaigns, I really mean media experiments. So we're never really working with politicians. Um, like we do always stick to nonpartisan forms mm -hmm. of um, communication. Hey, you want me to rub you more, Kanye? Yeah, so we build media experiments to amplify the voices of social movements. We came about because we saw all of these really powerful, wow. incredible social movements across the United States. Um, and when we looked at their websites or when we looked at their campaigns, the one thing that we saw that was really missing was beautiful visuals that could amplify their messages in a really simplistic form mm -hmm. and then get out into public, public, the public space, right. get out into popular culture. We the and Future is what I was thinking, is the movement I was thinking of. Yeah, so we just launched We the Future. Yeah, that's um, it. It's going for 11 more days. And We the Future is really um, the follow-up campaign and the evolution of We the People. So for the We the People campaign, um, we knew that the whole world would be watching on the day that 45 got elected. Mm -hmm. And so we gathered folks all across the country and we hosted what we called language labs. And we asked groups of people, what do you want to say when the whole world is watching? And through those conversations and through that dialogue, with communities that were most directly targeted by Trump's campaign, um, we came up with the language, we the people are greater than fear. We the people will protect each other and we the people will defend dignity. Um, and, and these are the posters, you see them all over? Yeah. Like a lady in a hijab, right? Yeah. And, yeah, that, yeah. That's like um, iconic now. In yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so the campaign was really iconic and um, historic and it was a really great example of how we build campaigns. So, you know, the language was developed in community. The photographers that we commissioned to take those photographs come from the communities most directly impacted. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, those are real life people behind the images who come from those communities. But then we also look at distribution models. So that's something that makes Amplifier unique and it's very specific to our organization is not only are we building graphics and visuals and communication, but we're thinking how can we get these images out into the world? And so we knew that we wanted to get this artwork into the hands of millions of people. We knew we wanted it to be free or very easily accessible for people. So alongside putting it on our website as free high resolution downloads, we launched a Kickstarter campaign um, with the goal of raising enough money to buy full-page ads in the Washington Post. Mm. So that way, anyone walking down the street could spend $3 and they'd have their artwork. And so with the support wow. of... Yeah, it was pretty neat. Um, and, and that really, that came from an obstacle. And that obstacle was Trump was the first president ever, from my knowledge, to say no one's allowed to bring protests signs into the inauguration so we're like well we're literally designing artwork for the inauguration mm -hmm. um, what are we going to do and so we came up with the solution of these newspapers um, but the newspapers are horrendously expensive which really goes to show you know who gets to have access to communication yeah. to the people yeah. and who doesn't we talk about that on the show too it's not i mean a lot of that is not it's not as though the newspapers necessarily want to be expensive i mean 
they'd like to make a profit at a lower price so more people could mm. be. But you know, when the classifieds went away because Craigslist and Amazon mm. and eBay replaced the classifieds, right now, in order to stay in business, the newspapers got to charge more, mm. which disenfranchises the people that might most be served by yeah. access to news, right? And yeah. then you start to serve the people that are paying your bills, and so you start to tailor your news to those people, and it creates this cycle vicious cycle. And it, yeah, well, that, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. what it is, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, but what we found from this formula is that every person, every one dollar donation, would actually get this artwork into six newspapers. Six but like six six sheets. Six, wow. Yeah. So one dollar would pay for six artworks, basically. Yeah, yeah. But of course, the barrier to entry was high. It was at the time it was you know around ninety thousand dollars for a one page ad for mm -hmm. one day, mm -hmm. which was crazy to yeah, us. Yeah. Um, and so we launched a Kickstarter campaign because we all, we wanted it to be people powered and we ended up breaking Kickstarter history with the most backers from an arts Kickstarter so we had um, 28,000 backers over the course of eight days and we raised 1.3 million dollars Wow um, which blew our minds and was really did they like contact you did it does Kickstarter go hey you get like do you get a phone call or um, from the start they worked with us Okay. Um, so, they were know, sort of partners. It wasn't part just a yeah. They, you know, they really believed in our work and they were really excited to support us. So okay. they coached us mm -hmm. um, along with like how to have a successful Kickstarter. But at the same time, we actually are an outlier. A lot of their recommendations for Kickstarter, we did the opposite. Mm -hmm. um, and really, it's a reflection of that moment in history. We wanted to create. Well, artwork. what would be an example of just? Uh, just like curious. one example is you should have a Kickstarter open for as long as possible. Like eight days is such a short amount of time. But that short amount of time, I, I feel, added to an urgency Creative around the whole urgency. yeah, yeah exactly. around the whole campaign. Um, but so our goal is to create messages that would unite people across party lines and would connect people based on shared values that people on the right and the left could could rally around. Um, and and we wanted to shift the national narrative. So we wanted to redirect people away from fear and hate and division, like especially mainstream media. And we wanted to redirect that towards what connected us as people. And we were successful in doing that, yeah. which was amazing. And it, it's really, it was it was a campaign for and by all of us. And um, then now this is the uh, V2, if you will. Well, so the success of the campaign um, is what has funded and supported us to launch our education program um, so after We the People, we had all these teachers printing out our artwork and putting it in their classrooms and also asking us for resources about how to talk about social justice within, um, within a nonpartisan classroom environment. And so um, it was just a natural evolution for us to move from the streets to the classrooms. And so that's what we're doing right now with We the Future. Over the course of the last year, we've hosted a similar um, style of gathering. Um, to gather nominations of who these youth leaders should be. And that, that really took a long time. Um, I was very intimately involved with that process, and it was a lot of responsibility to ensure that every child in a classroom could feel reflected in the artwork, um, and that there was, you know, not only did we amplify the voices of youth leaders, but also um, amplify the voices of some of the most powerful social movements of our time, both at like a high end level as well as a very grassroots level. 
Um, so I, I think you'll see that reflected in the campaign. So it's 10 youth leaders from the ages of 13 to 29 all across the United States working on everything from drafting and passing legislation to youth literacy to mobilizing youth vote to criminal justice reform and trying to end gun violence. Mm -hmm. And then we worked with a number of artists to create iconic artwork to honor and uplift and amplify these youth leaders. And, and then the thing that I'm really excited about, um, and this is what I think gives the campaign a bit more depth, is that these youth leaders are working with their movement of choice to create lesson plans based off of their issue area. Mm. And our goal with the Kickstarter we've just launched is to get this artwork, these 10 pieces of artwork and the lesson plans into 20,000 classrooms this school year. So yeah, that's what we've been doing. So when this runs, we are pre-record, my listeners know that, but when this runs, we'll have about a day left to participate in the campaign. So I, I wanna talk a little more about you and what brought you here, but, but since we're really on the topic, you know, mm -hmm. t t tell everybody what they can do to jump in and uh, how, you know, what are the benefits of participating and what they can do in the next about 36 hours from when they hear this to, to participate. Yeah. Well, of course, if you want to purchase any of this artwork and financially support this campaign, you can go to at Amplifier Art in Instagram or go to amplifier.org and you will very easily see a link to our Kickstarter campaign. Um, but more importantly, if you know of any educators or if you are an educator, you can go to education.amplifier.org or you can look in our Kickstarter and there's links to register and this is absolutely free. You don't have to teach the lesson plans if you don't want to, um, but you will get sent free artwork. And this is really just our contribution to supporting nonpartisan conversation centered around social justice for our next generation. You know, these are conversations that I never had growing up yeah. oh, when no. I was in school. And I feel like it, w it really hampered my critical thinking it made me feel really disconnected from so many groups of people. Yeah. And I feel like it's just such a disservice right. that we're not having critical dialogue around some of the most important issue areas that affect all of us. And it causes a form of politicization, right? When, yeah, when people aren't given the tools to have a conversation, right, left, I mean, it's not, and it's not also not just partisan, right, left, up, down, in, out, whatever. There, there's if you feel like you're having a conversation sprung at you on you at, uh, in your 50s you yeah. know, you're gonna get real defensive naturally yeah absolutely that's the one of the downsides of being in a bookstore sometimes people come in and it's kind of and they just say hey though. you know it's fun we have it we had it one time we had um, the former proprietor of the store still works here he's a, he's a very old gentleman and he he heard us talking about um, this concept of the Kraken you know, the beast, the Kraken, and he brought these books out and he started talking to us like right in the middle of recording. It was really funny. Oh my gosh, that is really funny. You know, I, I'd love to kind of position and frame up your work in the context of Seattle. Like you, mm -hmm. you're, you grew up here mm -hmm. and you spent some time away and then you moved back, what, about five years ago now? To Seattle? Yeah. So I moved back to Seattle about nine months ago oh. and I've actually been traveling quite a lot of this time. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm still a newbie to Seattle and it's I'm, changed a lot, huh? Since yeah, I feel like I need to re 
build my community because I've also changed a lot since mm -hmm. I've been gone. Mm -hmm. um, well, that's so, inevitable, right? Yeah. In your 20s. Yeah. And did you grow up in Seattle area? So I grew up in Ballard. In ba oh, in Ballard, right? In, yeah. That's like the heart of like Scandinavian kind yeah. of like, you know, blue collar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a very different neighborhood now. Absolutely. And I, I can't afford to live there anymore. Right. Well, you know, what's funny though, and this is one of the central themes that we find in our show is there's this self-fulfilling prophecy that happens, which is that community resists changes. Community resists changes, creating a scarcity of supply because mm -hmm. they fight the developers, mm -hmm. which I, I'm not here to hawk for the developers, but then more and more people come. So the price goes up, mm -hmm. right? Supply and demand. Mm -hmm. And so their worst nightmare gets fulfilled by the actions of fighting the change, right? So you get in this weird catch-22 of like, if only we did like manage the change, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of fought it. And it, I, I, one of the things I like about what you're doing, it's not about zoning or housing or at all, but, but you see, I see in what you're doing an attempt to kind of manage these changes and like get people who are doing good work and take what they're doing instead of just creating an antagonistic uh, little vibe and, and message. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. We definitely are working to unite versus divide, which is challenging because, of course, these are times where right and wrong seem very clear. Oh, and yeah. so, how do you have conversations with people that you fundamentally disagree with? Yeah. About it, about a moral tenet of your. I mean, just yeah. Your about whole, your values. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because these, we are talking about basic human rights yeah. and very basic values, you know. But I'm this this process has completely changed me forever, and I feel like every day I'm becoming more equipped to have healthy conversations with people that I don't necessarily agree with. Oh man, maybe you should teach a class. <laughs> Here, we'll use I don't know if I'm there yet. Well, but <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny, you know. You were speaking of class, and you're talking about this kind of playbook that that your uh, uh, movement leaders are building yeah right it almost in a way it makes me think of like a Saul Alinsky rules for radicals kind mm. of thing but very 21st century kind of very like devolved and like crowdsourced and like not just this guy who did it and wrote a book about it but mm -hmm. like these 10 folks of all ages who mm -hmm. are doing it and contributing to a, a more of a choir than a solo kind of mm -hmm. thing but it is that kind of like modern playbook for how to kind of get a movement uh, going and how to advance it. Well, it's really exciting because I mean everything that we do we give ourselves the freedom to make mistakes by really framing everything as an experiment. And so every campaign that we do, we make mistakes and we learn from that and we apply that to our next campaign. And so by this stage, you know, we're still a very new organization, but we've been quite prolific in the mm -hmm. last three years. I mean, mm -hmm. we're, we put a lot into what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and we also have long careers before we've even reached this point. And iconic, Be beyond prolific. I mean, the work that, that I mean, everyone knows those posters. But not right. everyone knows us, and right. that's very intentional. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I am a white woman, mm -hmm. and I really do see my role in this time as being a back-end supporter to front-end frontline movement leaders um, and and some days that means you know putting my body on the line and, and sometimes it means you know how can we use this platform we've created to mm -hmm. amplify mm -hmm. your work I mean you'll you'll really never see any of our team amplified on our platforms it's really we've built this platform 
to That's true. uplift and amplify the work of movement leaders who have been doing this far longer than we have. We're, we're not the experts here at all. We're yeah. good at a very specific part, and that is to reach millions of people. Um, and so the responsibility really lies in who, who do we pass the microphone over to. Yeah, I mean, you see it even on uh, the amplifier.org. It's very much, I mean, your 10 organizers for the uh, We the Future are f featured on the, on the site, and your four photographers and, or artists, mm -hmm. I should say, who, are, who have generated the, the iconic pictures. Uh, it's very focused on them, and you've got to, uh, I just think it's an interesting, when you think about visuals, which, um, funny, some of the guests recently, coincidentally, have been this flow of, like, I had an architect who should, who said cities should be designed for, to the, to the picture and not to the policy, hmm. right? Like, he, he was saying, kind of, how, do, what do you want people to be doing, right? Like, design it that way. Don't just say, like, it should be, like, this many square feet and right mm -hmm. and uh, I, I see that in in what you guys are doing like there is a classroom right that is the first image that people see mm -hmm. uh, not not anything else but then the posters of these movement leaders kind of line the classroom it's really great I love oh, it thank yeah. you well we definitely do see this artwork as a compass pointing towards the future we want to live in and you know sometimes that compass is pointing towards values like it was during you know, the time that Trump was elected and the Women's March and the Are We the People campaign. And now it's really about how can we amplify youth leaders who are literally living the change that we want to see in the world. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the things that we say in the campaign is the future is already here. Mm -hmm. So we just want to uplift um, the people who are already doing this incredible work. Like they are our leaders. Right now we're struggling to find leadership that we can really get behind um, and we're hoping that in this campaign you know at least one of these pathways might resonate with you and for the students um, in the classrooms you know whether or not they agree or don't agree with with what the stance of any of these youth leaders it's really about nurturing a culture of critical thinking mm -hmm. um, to be able to really make their own opinion because I feel like the educational system that I was brought up and was one of propaganda and it's mm. really promoting one side you know we're mm. still learning you know Cristobal Christopher Columbus That's, founded America yeah. and Thanksgiving his name wasn't Christopher yeah that is there's propaganda for you right there yeah. it was you because you said it you said Cristobal yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that was his name <laughs> but we anglicize his name and then we teach him that he discovered America yeah. discovered America yeah. Yeah, yeah and then you know Thanksgiving was just beautiful yeah. <laughs> delicious feast where we all got together and everything was positive and it's just you know that to me is very intentional yeah yeah it's worrisome so and, and, <laughs> yeah. it, it, what's the no end words. state well like when, when i think of uh, so build on that comment right where does amplifier go when would you go okay i'll do something else like i'll do the next thing because i kind of took this as far as like i want this here what's the what's the vision in classrooms but also for the organization um for the organization right now it's really looking at how can we really nurture all of the values that we want to see out in the world within our own organization while maintaining sustainability and that's tough mm -hmm. you know so how can we nurture a really healthy team environment how can equity be present in every single part of the organization how can we um, work with our board in a way that's really sustainable and nurturing for all parties 
how can we not burn out yeah. doing this work? Oh, Where's our limit? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's all of those questions. Running an, a nonprofit organization is really not easy. Everyone says it's not easy. Oh, yeah. I know I've done it too. I yeah. I have not it, done it. Yeah. None of us, none of us come from a nonprofit space. Yeah. We all come from, you know, either like food systems or art or community organizing. And so, yeah, we're just trying to figure out how do we build sustainability. That's awesome. Well, look, um, I'm going to point folks to the, you know, to the site on on the post here when we run this. And Thank you. Um, we do end every show with a segment that we call "If You Care About, You Should." Fill in the blanks. If you care about our youth gaining access to art and nonpartisan conversations about social justice, then can you please? share this resource, this free resource with five educators you know. All right. Wow, that's so prescriptive and awesome. Is Thank it? you so okay. much. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks Cleo. so much for, Thank you the for being on the show. Yeah, yeah, come on back anytime. Cool. Thank you. That was Cleo Barnett of Amplifier.org. Check her out. Check the whole work out. What they're doing is really great. Uh, please do check out and contribute to their We Are the Future campaign, which can be accessed there or just Google We the future remember we have a live show this thursday 7 p.m at horizon books we're going to interview a bunch of prominent seattleites about the arts and the changes that are occurring come check it out as always thanks to anthony mcpherson for the dope opening poetry sample and the subcons for their music your host Ian Martinez. This has been a Cascadia Underground production and we'll see you next week.